0: listeners and welcome Therese to this episode of Be Like a Tree. On this episode we'll be talking about how we can become grounded and we think it's really important to think about how trees are often a symbol for groundedness, for being rooted, for being centered. So we're going to jump right in
1: and I'm going to ask Therese to introduce herself. Hello, Uh, my name is Therese Fickl, And I'm a counsellor in private practice and have have felt a deep connection to trees since I can remember. And it's lovely to be here. Thank you, Kelly. You're welcome. And so let's start off with a big
0: question. So when you think about trees, Therese, when you think about the, the green beauties around us, you know, for me, I immediately go to like a sense of calm and centeredness. When you
1: see a tree or or a symbol of a tree, how do you feel? I have a real body response and it's, I breathe out. And it's when I connect and I often do like search for trees and with my eyes and also by going to them. And it's a real sense of, ah, And I know
0: you guys can't see us, but Therese just completely took an outward breath. She smiled. Her shoulders dropped. So maybe we should do that all together just for a moment. It was a really big... Ah. (sighs) That feels good. Yes. Yes, it does. And it really is, I think, part of our conversation today about how trees can help us to feel anchored and to have that outward side and to feel rooted.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I think for me, it's it's connected as well with, like, as a child, I kind of, whenever I think of, like, who helped me co-regulate, uh, kind of, which symbolises, like, who helped me to come myself down yeah I always think of the cherry tree in the back of our garden and uh, I think I spent a lot of time under that tree in a playpen and uh, at least from photographs I remember that and it's just kind of you know when you listen to the to the cherry tree or any tree really how when the wind goes through it it whispers it talks to you it it shares its fruit with you and uh, it's kind of for me. It's also how they behave in in a in a storm, yeah. So sometimes we have storms, you know, in relationships or with stressful work situations, and it's like they 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 bend with it. They lean into the storm, yeah. They don't go rigid. Mm-hmm. They they just flow into it, yeah. Yeah. And, uh,
0: I feel that, and it's something about that natural rhythm that they bend before they break. Yes. And almost dance in the storm. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, Yeah. When you said that, I immediately, when you said, oh, and just like humans, we always have storms, we always have difficult situations, and sometimes we try to push through, we start to... We try to, I don't know, really go for it and take control of it. And have trees are creatures, beings that no matter what weather, whatever, whatever, what storm, they have to stay put and weather it. They don't have the choice of walking away. Yeah. I, I wonder so if that's true. why they learned it. I wonder if that's why they learned to bend it,
1: to move. And I feel like they're big teachers as well. You know, they, they teach us about impermanence really, about that things will always change. And so we have, you know, we have the spring where we kind of feel like the sap is rising and, and the blossoms, are st- the leaves are starting, the blossoms are starting and depending on the tree, it's one or the other first. Mm-hmm. And then you know, new shoots are growing, and then we go into summer where fruit ripens or pine cones are being created, and so forth. Yeah, yeah it's lush and full, and then we go into a stage of actually letting go again. Yeah, of slowing down, of uh, the colours are turning, the the leaves are falling. And even the needle tree, the pine tree goes through a transformation, and then and then kind of the leaves fall off and uh, and winter comes, the sap kind of goes down, and it's conserving its energy and just, yeah, and I think we can learn a lot about that, about that rhythm that it, things don't always stay the same, but spring will come again. Yeah. Uh,
0: things don't always stay the same. But spring will always come. Yeah. As humans, how do you feel like that applies to our lives? Mm.
1: I think, you know, if we have suffered trauma or grieving or interpersonal kind of challenges with other people, that it's yes, we we kind of we blossom with some with some things, we kind of feel like, oh I'm so, and, you know, feels really good. And but it one might also feel like I'm always in autumn Ooh. because of the trauma I suffered, or I'm always in the depths of winter. Uh, and and I'm talking about the no- northern hemisphere, yeah, because there are countries in the southern hemisphere that have only two seasons, but their trees are also going through the season, yeah, of, and uh, yeah. Does that, make all, does that make sense in terms of... It does make sense.
0: And I guess it's thinking about when we think about nature and the rhythms that, and the, I guess, the stages that a tree might go through. In a little way, they're lucky, right? Because they have a an external kind of manifestation, an external showing of where they're at. Yes. Yes, And then you can kind of like give them some water, you can change place, you can pay attention to where they're at. As humans, I feel like sometimes it's a bit more internal of kind of knowing at what stage we're at, what season we're in. And how do we then learn to transition or learn to be fluid or how do we remember that spring has come?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I feel like there is an expectation, especially in the 21st century, an expectation that we're either always in spring or in summer. You know, that we're always full of energy, that we're always kind of on top of our game. And if we're not, then there's something wrong with us. Mm -hmm. You know, rather than actually, it would be much more natural to just observe ah, I had a really good day yesterday, but today I don't feel so good. So more in autumn, but then maybe tomorrow I will be in summer again. Or I might drop into winter, but there will be spring again. Yeah. So acceptance. Yeah. 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 And I guess I'm thinking about
0: what you shared about your life and the cherry blossom and that idea of co-regulation. So this person this uh, santinib, this this being that has always been a part of your life without you even well it
1: sounds like it was quite awareness for you to know mm-hmm. it was there yes yeah, yeah. and I, I realized that deeply in a in an exercise I did um, in, a, in a therapy setting where we were asked to to see, you know kind of who helped me to calm myself down when i was little and the first image that came was that cherry tree yeah, if that makes sense and uh, and also the the tree connection i had with my father we we were a family who would hike a lot so that's what we would do in the, on the weekends we would go into the mountains and hike and uh, and i would always ask my father about the names of the trees But I would and then at some point realized I never remembered the trees, the tree names. I would look at it so I would know the different ways, but I would never remember the trees. And then I realized that actually that was my way of getting my dad to talk to me. Because in his mind, I think he was probably just processing work stuff as he walked with us. So that's kind of, so I kind of invited him to be present with me in, in the here and now of kind of naming the trees. But by me forgetting the tree names, I, have, I could ask him again the next weekend.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. So as a young girl, you created my fun ways of bringing connection, presence and being and by inviting that, that communication and that looking at something, that shared connection, you know, the hike, but also the love for nature, because for your dad to know the trees, mm-hmm. it's something you must have had in common, and then bringing him alongside you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that is one of the most healing aspects of being in nature, of being able to uh, invite myself to be in connection and present with with me and my body, in that moment. And if someone's alongside me, then it kind of creates this co-creation, this co-being of noticing what's around us, sharing a memory, and then having something to take away after, something to remember that experience with. You and just the two of us, or however we'll much, whoever's around us at that time. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, that's lovely. That's lovely. Yeah. And it, it, I feel like it's, it, it's inviting me to engage my five senses. You know, I, it's not unknown that I might break up, break off a little pine needle and just kind of chew on it. And so, you know, or really smell. You know, or pick up a pine cone and really touch it, or the bark, or yeah, and the flowers to go, the flowering trees, like a lime tree, and really go close up, or those little, those little flying. uh, can't think of the name of it but the maple trees have them it's like a butterfly and you can peel off a little bit and stick it on top of your nose because it has a sticky substance and then you have a little kind of horn on your nose so i still do that you know we did that as kids and i still do that as an adult now <laughs> i stick it on your forehead
0: and i guess that's the big about uh being in nature in that way it, it brings us into a place of playfulness as well in terms of being able to remember your childhood, but mm-hmm. taking it back to a place where we can actually re-experience it mm-hmm. and awaken that side of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. For listeners, I just wanted to say that it feels like I want to just pause and think about that act of mindfulness you're describing. So my- mindfulness allows us to be present in the moment and fully connected to our senses, in a time and place. And so what Therese was describing was noticing her five senses so that she could be fully present in the here and now. It's something that anyone can do with any sort of object or food or smell or taste or any moment in order to be more present.
1: When I'm thinking of trees, I'm also thinking of how they teach us about letting go and about giving back, and I I had some bereavements in the last few years, uh, some you know meaningful bereavements, and and when I see trees that have died in a storm or of old age and just killed over, yeah, and I now know uh, from Peter Wallleben who wrote about the trees extensively, is um That the tree, when it lies down, it then feeds. It feeds other plants. It nourishes the the soil. So even in its death, it's still giving. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I feel like that's with the people who have died in my life. That although they have laid down and died, I still feel like they are giving. Yeah, I'm still feeling nourished by the conversations I had them with them, especially about um, the process of, of dying and death. And, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. Wow, thanks for bringing that up, because I feel like when we think about loss and grief, it's something that people tend to avoid, but it feels really special to fully acknowledge how through loss we, we gain you know, and we remember and how, in that sense, that cycle of life continues. Yes. And trees, like you said, really teaches that in terms of how much they give back to each other, and how much they learn to uh, support each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. When you said that, you know, when a tree dies, it lays down. Did you know that they also... What happens is that the elder tree also then sends its knowledge and its nutrients to all of its saplings and its roots. No, I didn't. The information, the memories all get passed on and get carried throughout the other kind of plant life it's connected to.
1: So, all those maybe 70 years, maybe. 200 years of knowledge yeah the, the the books the lonely tree by nicholas halliday i kind of he he it's a book for to help children with their grieving but it's also great was for adults or the youth yeah the lonely tree they kind of that that talks about that as the old one dies and a new shoot starts to grow yeah and
0: I'll make sure I put that in the show notes for anybody who wants to, to look it up. So far, we've spoken about a part of the tree that we can really see. And partly when I think about being grounded and being kind of stabilised, and I think about trees, I think about the roots. And I, 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 what I know is that it's over one third of a tree is actually hidden Beneath the ground, which it's i amazing, isn't it? so amazing, it is super cool. And like, I could go so far with this, but I'm gonna try to calm and stay on topic. But just thinking about the fact that we have this beautiful symbol of both external beauty but also internal connection, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And so, I was really curious.
1: What do you think about that? I have to take a minute. It's interesting, isn't it, as I'm reflecting. Um, I definitely in my life have paid more attention to the trunk rising out of the ground and the branches. And but what, what it's been for me when I think, when I let myself think of the roots, it's I guess it's about feeling like I belong. I think that's what comes to my mind. A belonging. By the roots going out. Kind of the, the roots know that they're connected with the earth, with other, like kind of other roots that are nearby. Yeah. Okay, a belonging
0: mm-hmm. and a connection. Mm-hmm. And I guess thinking about us as humans and how we can find that sense of belonging, usually we find it with yeah. others. Yeah. And it's really easy to think about trees as isolated beings when actually, beneath the ground, they always have a network them, a, a network of supports yeah. and as humans I, I feel like sometimes we're taught to be super independent we're taught to be super sufficient and I feel like that is really important in order to be able to to be right to be a separate being and yet we both know the importance of having that supportive network. Yeah. 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 Well, actually, as trees are social creatures, human beings are social creatures. Yes. Yes. Have you found that that's an important part of your work in terms of that connection and network for people?
1: I would say so. And I think the question of for some people of not feeling like they belong yeah that is it's a huge thing because you're kind of untethered and to, to not know that there is a space where you belong with all warts and all and uh where you just know, no matter what, that big thing of no matter what, uh, this group of people, this group of trees will fullheartedly just accept me as I am. And when we don't have that, the crisis that kind of kicks off in us is, is quite huge. Because I think as human beings, I think it's innate in us to look for connections.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um. I have a pod, uh, not a podcast, a, a blog on the Taproot Psychology website about this, and it's called "Why Love Matters." Mm-hmm. And in it, we we kind of talk about how love matters because of that that connection, and how through our relationships, through being in connection, we learn more about ourselves. Yeah. And the word that came to my mind as I was listening to you is. The idea of unconditional
1: love. And what I'm how I'm trying to work with that is that I help people to first make a connection with themselves so that they have to start with a bit a sense of belonging with themselves. Yeah. And once they have built a good relationship and friendship with themselves, then usually they're they're I don't know if it's courage or that it seems like they're then starting to naturally start to connect and look up to the trees Mm -hmm. and other human beings and see connection there Uh,
0: yeah and so it makes me think about that sometimes we need to look inward to then look outward
1: yeah
0: so sometimes we need to learn how to belong in our body, in ourselves, in our feelings. to yeah. so that invites other forms of connection around us.
1: Yeah. Because I believe when we have been hurt to the point where we feel like we don't belong, that actually we have also taken on those people's kind of uh, voices about why we shouldn't belong or why we're bad. And then actually, if we challenge those voices and form a better relationship with ourselves, then we can look outward to connect with others. If that makes sense.
0: It does make sense. Mm. Do you have any practical tips, any suggestions that people could do to start
1: practicing that sense of connection inside? Mm -hmm. at first i usually ask just for people for 24 hours just to notice what is the chatter yeah what kind of put do we hear inside and then and then once we know oh wow this is what my head is saying yeah and uh and then to to kind of start like seeing okay is that whose voice is that and did they have a right to say that to me
0: mm. you know if
1: you look at their lives did they actually have a right to say that to me and do I actually now choose, can I choose to rephrase that mm. I was going to say that's really helpful and I'm I'm trying like my mind is kind of seeing kind of how does the connect to trees yeah it's like for example uh, a chestnut tree, a sweet chestnut tree. If it's just on its own, then it won't flower and make fruit. So somewhere in the field, not next to it, but somewhere where the wind can carry the the I can't. I can only think of the German word Blütenstaub pollen. pollen uh, yeah. It needs another. It needs another sweet chestnut tree somewhere nearby. Yeah, to and I feel like as people we need the other, but if within us we're at war with ourselves or at we're kind of constantly challenged by our, own, uh, by our own mind with messages that we're not good enough, that we're worthless, that we are that we shouldn't belong, then it's really hard to find that, to be in a field. With another tree, yeah. I don't know about that metaphor, but yeah.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, no, I was just picturing it. I can, I think I got that, and I hope others will as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was really helpful. Mm-hmm. So we have a couple minutes left, mm-hmm. and I'm again. I'm thinking about on how on being grounded, right, and the theme of our kind of conversation today, how trees teach us to be centered, how they teach us belonging and connection, that I would sigh that being of stabilization. And I guess I'm wondering if you have any techniques that you can share with us about creating that calm within, So you've given us one really helpful way of listening to our chatter, of beginning to challenge those negative beliefs so that we can find connection. Is there anything you can offer us in terms of being present?
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I just had an idea and then it kind of flew back out of my mind <laughs> so I'm gonna open my mind again to, for it to kind of land back in and uh, but uh, I think for me, although we can see a a, a tree breathing yeah we can't see that yeah but I do I do feel like it's inviting us by its pure presence, And knowing that it has these big, big roots into the earth, yeah, and going out. And um, I think, um, I don't know where I got that from. It was from you or somebody else, but that actually, when you look at the tree that was allowed to grow as it once needed to grow, yeah, when you take a picture of it, yeah, it's actually upside down lungs.
0: Yes,
1: that was the kind of the. whatever they're called, the thing is that are in your lungs, yeah, that yeah. do the work, yeah, no, well, yeah. you not, yeah, they're actually a tree upside down in terms of its branches, yeah, mm-hmm. resemble lungs. And I, I I, feel like kind of to, to breathe with the tree, yeah, and the one I like a lot is to put your hands like um fold what would be what is that called when you do like this so you fold your hands and your fingers yeah. between each other Got yeah it. yeah and then you bring it to the neck to the base of your neck yeah and with your thumbs you find that little uh place uh, that you know like an indent yeah and then you just like let your lungs breathe to the side so instead of up you breathe outwards to the side cool.
0: just for the listeners so you can see us but just so you know we both have our hands interlinked behind our head we have our thumbs on those indents behind just below my ears I think And then we're just going to take a second to give this a go. And we're going to breathe. Outward.
1: And then if you leave your head facing forwards, but your eyes travel to find your elbow and whatever is behind the elbow, and then you just stay there for about a minute and you breathe deeply because your lungs have lots of space. And then you bring your eyes to the front again. Your head stays forward-facing, but your eyes travel to the left elbow and beyond. Just check out what's there. And again, let your lungs breathe fully. Slowly and breathe out and drop your shoulders. And then slowly lower your arms. And if your body wants to make any sounds, let it.
0: I must say, I really enjoyed that. And it actually put me in a place where I actually felt like the stance sitting in the shape of a tree. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With my branches. That's true. That's true. And my lungs opening. And my eyes
1: just slowly taking everything around. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. And it's an exercise we can do standing up Mm -hmm. or even lying down first thing in the morning instead of listening to the chatter in the head or first thing at night to just to focus on that. And I tend to kind of have about seven in and out breaths is about a minute. Okay. So low in breath and out breath is about a minute. Yeah. Thank you.
0: So we are coming to the end of this episode of Be Like a Tree. But before we do, one final question for you to answer. Mm-hmm. I notice you have a beautiful green tree behind you. And so my final question is if that tree had words, what would it say to you?
1: I'm turning to look at the tree (laughs) and uh, what's coming to me is trust, just trust. And as I'm hearing those words from the tree, I just feel like my body relaxes all the way down to my toes. Mm. And I think the trees just trust yourself yeah sometimes it will be tough but it's gonna be okay trust to reach out to ask for help trust that things can work out even not if not immediate you know if we think of a tree it takes like eight years for a little oak tree to grow into a tree. I have one, I kind of found the little saplings in the in the field and I just took it in, in at the moment I have it in a pot and it's growing so slowly. And it's just, in the 21st century, we feel like it needs everything, you know, I need to get better now, I need to do this now. Actually, trust that some things might take time, even a few years, but I'll get there. Wow,
0: I'm really glad that tree shared that with us. And I guess it's making me think about one of the key, I think, aspects of learning to be grounded and to be rooted is being able to trust ourselves, Mm -hmm. trust the process, trust our thoughts, trust that our bodies are here to keep us alive. Yes. And, Such trust, a
1: lesson. and trust that although some people might have hurt us, there there will be other people coming into our lives who won't. Wow. If we look up and see them. Mm-hmm. So trust.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing. The lessons that you've learned from trees with us and from sharing some of your experiences of you know your childhood and your life i've really enjoyed this conversation
1: thank you me too and thank you for having me kelly you to be.
0: Oh.